Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023, in the Gregorian calendar, and the 16th of Av, 5783, in the Hebrew calendar. Today, I have a special interview that I took with the opposition leader of South Africa. He is also running for president of South Africa. I caught him on a diplomatic trip to Israel. I was in the right place at the right time. I had the right connection. And bada bing, bada boom, I made this interview happen the next day. We sat down together for a full interview in the Dan Tel Aviv Hotel. We talked about his experience in Israel. It was his first time. And he also talked about why he thinks that South Africa and Israel should improve their diplomatic relations and why that's important and why he believes in it. It was a very compelling interview. I enjoyed it very much. I think you'll enjoy it very much. What you're going to hear you're not going to hear anywhere else. This is absolutely an exclusive. There are no other interviews or content or media about him from Israeli media. So this is pretty awesome. At the end of the show, I'll leave you off with a Torah thought by Rabbi Yossi Madvig to send you into your weekend with something to think about. Now, let's get to the news. The guest we're bringing on to the show today is Gaten McKenzie. I'll tell you a little bit about him. McKenzie is a formerly convicted bank robber who, after a decade behind bars, got out of jail and turned his life around. He turned a small fish business into an empire, making millions. He opened up his own political party called the Patriotic Alliance and also became the mayor of the Central Karu District Municipality in South Africa. He's a motivational speaker and author and president of the Patriotic Alliance political party. And he came to Israel and he actually went to an Israeli prison and gave a motivational talk to the inmates. You're going to hear all about that. Following the interview, I am going to share some news with you. I felt that it was my obligation to look up and find out what happened after this trip. And of course, I was right. Uh, Mackenzie came under a lot of heat for his visit to Israel. If you don't know, South Africans have a very bad image of Israel, and many people call Israel an apartheid state, even though it is not. You'll hear Mackenzie address all of this in his interview. He anticipated getting feedback like this. However, I am going to read a few paragraphs that I found from a press release that was put out by South African BDS supporters. They are slamming his visit. BDF is a movement to boycott, divest, and sanction Israel. Before I give you their heated words, I want you to hear our full interview, and then I'll share some of the opposition that it got at the end of the show. Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. My name is Shanna Fold. And um, I have some questions for you today. Tell me a little bit about your experience as the mayor 
Uh, you were pr previously mayor of the Central Karoo District Municipality, is that right? That's right. So what was it like for you, because I think mayor, it's a very important role. I come from a place of local uh, reporting, local yeah. New York City news, that's where I'm from previously. Now I'm here in Israel, we have a small country, news is basically local because we have nine million people. In New York City, we have nine million people just in the five boroughs. So I really care about local issues. You coming from a modest background, Tell me about your experience trying to give to the people in a mayoral role. What I've done is I looked at my life and I said, you know, next year, my party, the party I belong to, the Patriotic Alliance, has put me as the candidate for presidency. Mm -hmm. And I had to look at myself and do some introspection. What is it I lack mm. to represent my party adequately and fully? Mm -hmm. And I realized I lack public experience. I've never been in a role as a public official. That's what I like. And I said, find me the poorest place, find me the place with the highest unemployment, find me a place where there's zero hope, basically, and I will go and become the mayor there. And they found a place called Central Karua. I can tell you, when I got become mayor, people were not using flushing toilets. They were using what you call bucket toilets. Like a bucket toilet is a foreign concept for your listeners. It is something where you leave yourself in a bucket. And depending on if the municipality comes to take the bucket away, you will be lucky. Most of the times you have to go and get rid in some field of this bucket. There are people that were disabled that had difficulty carrying the bucket and spilling the bucket on themselves at times. There's a woman, for instance, she has got one, she's got one leg, her husband cannot walk totally, he just lay the whole time. And they were sharing a bucket. That's the first thing I saw. I saw there were six pools that has been built at huge amount of money, none of them were working. I came there, there was just a hopelessness. And I said, in my first hundred days, if I don't give each and every person that does a proper toilet, I must resign. My first hundred days, if I do not fix five of these six pools, I will resign. I said I will not take a salary, I will not take bodyguards, I will not use a state vehicle, I will not use a state credit card. And I promised myself that and I've done none of that. Within hundred days, everybody had a toilet, a flushing toilet. Within hundred days, I managed to fix five of the pools. I managed to bring in businesses in the area. And I said, I'll only be a mayor for one year. But my biggest achievement is, those are the poorest people in South Africa, but it's sitting on the largest gas deposit. And the eighth largest gas, the largest gas deposit in South Africa, mm -hmm. and the eighth largest gas deposit in the world. And I just, and some wealthy people were, that got some farms and quiet and peace there, didn't want to, the extraction of, of the gas. Okay. And I came and I said, nonsense, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you now it's happening. And that area will be the richest area in South Africa. People will have jobs, children's life will be changed. And now I'm running for president of South Africa. Excellent. Congratulations. Or as we Thank say you. in Hebrew, Mazal Tov. <laughs> mazal Tov. <laughs> um, so I think that that's great. I think that it's important to lead by example. Tell me a bit about your experience in 
mentally transitioning out of, you were a former convicted uh, criminal. criminal. Defender, yeah. um, I think that it's important uh, what's happening in the mind uh, in that transition. Can you tell me a little bit about that transition and why it's important for you to show up and give hope to people? And then we'll talk about what you did here in Israel um, that did that as well. Well, you know, uh, I always tell people as a change start with yourself. Mm -hmm. Change is not from the outside. It's something that must come from the inside. You can try to change people, but if the people don't want to change themselves. My change started from the inside, where I just got sick and tired of being a criminal. I've been in jail from the age of 12, 13, going in and out of jail for small misdemeanors, and, and I graduated to bigger crimes. And, and I always tell people that the first thing I stole was a toffee apple. And was I a what? A toffee apple. It's an uh, apple ah. covered in toffee. Okay. It was very popular during those <laughs> days. And I stole a toffee apple. And I graduated until I started robbing banks. And I went to jail for robbery. And I went to jail, I was sentenced to 17 years in prison. Wow. I served 10 years. I came out of jail, I looked for a job, I found a job, and I saved my money and I started a fish business. I turned it into a multi-million dollar business. I went into mining, I became f extremely wealthy, and I decided I want to give back. And I started a political party, not knowing it's going to become the fastest growing political party in South Africa. And what do you attribute that to? Why was it the fastest growing political party in South Africa? I think uh, perseverance, not giving up. But most importantly, it is, politics is not, it's like being a DJ. You get two kinds of DJs. You have a DJ that plays music for himself. He danced there, but nobody dances on the dance floor, but the DJ is busy dancing behind the tables. Then you have a, polit a DJ that doesn't even like the music he's playing, but he's playing it for the people. And I think in my case, it is, I am the fastest growing political party, part of the fastest growing political party because of not representing what my needs by the needs of the people. Mm -hmm. I hear the needs, I hear the cry, and I articulate that in my policies mm -hmm. and in the policies of the party. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think people respond to us. And next year, I, I have no doubt I will be the president of South Africa come 2024. That's excellent, and, and I hope that for you as well. I want you to tell us about your experience here in Israel. I understand that you visited a prison um, during your time here. How did that come to be? Was that your idea? And, and tell us, how was it? Well, that was 100% my idea. I said I am not, I've promised myself many years ago. I've spoken to prisoners in, in um, Germany, I've spoken to prisoners in the UK, prisoners in Namibia, and prisoners in South Africa, because I just, I believe that I have a duty and no one in this world can articulate better to prisoners than myself. I have been there. I'm not, as I said to the prisoners here in Israel, I said, listen guys, I'm not here to tell you something I've read. 
something I've studied, something I watch on TV, or a movie I watch. I'm here to tell you about my life that I've lived. You guys can't even stop started trying to look all so dangerous and just stop it, because I know this is the whole facade. I've been there. And they start smiling. That was the first bars I got out, because I know the physique and the, the demeanor of prisoners. you all not smiling and like... And then I like, guys, just drop the gut. This is me. I've been here. <laughs> and it was a funny moment. And I told them, I said, guys, you know, you, most of you are here for drug dealing. I said, do you know one thing? What is more difficult than being an entrepreneur? It is selling drugs. If you can sell drugs, you can be an entrepreneur. And I was showing them the difference. And I just cross-referenced being an entrepreneur and selling drugs. And I said, Jay-Z, the rapper, I see, I see one of you, when I walked past you, was rapping the lyrics of Jay-Z. He was a drug dealer. He's a billionaire today. So you already have done Harvard on the street. What, what they'll teach you, the Ivy League, about business, you've taught yourselves by selling drugs. So cut this thing and come back to entrepreneurship. You are best suited. And I was telling them about my life. And, I was telling them at the age of 30 years, I had no money, no car, no bed to sleep on. I said, it's never too late. I said, you know, the, the biggest responsibility is not to your gang, not to your friends, but go to the mirror. That man in the mirror is the person that you owe the world to. Wow, excellent. Thank you for sharing that. I think that anyone can take that message with them, whether they're a prisoner, whether they're a president. Um, it's, it's not easy to get up every day or to restart your life. Um, so I'm glad that you shared that experience. So tell us, why did you want to come to Israel? How did this trip get started? I think firstly, I hated Israel, like every second person in my country. Mm -hmm because of what we've been told about Israel. I am a very curious person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you must always prepare for where you want to go to. Before you travel, you should already apply for a passport. Before you buy a car, you should already apply for your driving license. Uh, and that's my beliefs in life. That if, 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 if you're going to, you must dress for what you want to be one day. And when it comes to Israel, I'm preparing for my geopolitical strategy, which will be different to what my country has a very negative attitude towards Israel, South Africa. They have downgraded the embassy here. They, in the speeches, they'll call Israel apartheid state. Mm -hmm. Now, under, with my presidency, that is going to change because I want to be a peacemaker in the world. I want to continue when Nelson Mandela has stopped. Now, how would you be a peacemaker if you're already taking sides? My country has taken sides here. I'm not taking sides, and I wanted to come see for myself. There's so many, many lies about Israel. For instance, we thought the missiles are going one way. I've come to learn here it's going two ways. Uh, and I always say that by, by isolating Israel, mm. the Palestinians feel it more. Mm. By engaging Israel, you're helping the Palestinians, Palestinians by that. 
I don't have the solution for you guys. The solution is not in America, it's not in South Africa. It is between you guys. Uh, you look at Palestinian people and they have problems on their own with Hamas, with the PLO. Now before you even engage anybody else, you need to sort out the, the local, yourself, your, the regional mm -hmm. problems. And I can tell you that Israel has enough brain power amongst their leaders that there will come somebody out of Palestine and Israel that will find each other. Mm. Is that time now? Definitely no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> what I've seen, this is my observation. We hope. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can only hope, but I don't think at the moment the time is right for, for, for the time is always right for peace, but I don't think it's going to happen immediately. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a gradual process that will happen. And secondly, we have a problem in our country with water. And I'll tell you three things. It was the first one, Palestinian. The second one is we've got a problem in our country with water, number one. Israel's got the answers. Now we're going to sit here and say we don't engage Israel. Uh, for what? I'm here to engage Israel. Uh, under my presidency, Israel will be a friend of South Africa. And there's no water in, 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 in some parts in my country. And there's solutions here. How to turn sea water into potable water. How can I ignore that as a leader? I cannot put the Palestinians ahead of my own people. That's a fact. People don't hear that, but I'm saying it again. I'm not going to put the Palestinians and their needs ahead of the needs of South Africans. I'm not the leader of Palestine. I'm the leader of South Africans. And that is what people don't hear. A lot of people criticize me that, and I will say it yesterday, I will say it today, I will say it tomorrow. The second thing, Israel's got so many inventions. One is, for instance, circumcision. I mean, like, you know how many young people die because of bot circumcisions in my country? I didn't and realize that was an issue. It's, it's a major issue. But you see how people don't want to talk about these things. It's a major issue. You know how many people get HIV AIDS because of bot circumcisions? It's a massive issue. Now, I must ignore young people dying. And there's a solution for it. I will never be that type of a leader. Thirdly, Israel has what we call so many uh, startup companies that turns into unicorns. My country needs this. It needs this knowledge. But you see, political correctness, I have no time for. Particularly when my people are dying, particularly when my people don't get water. And I'm saying I will never not be told. So many people stop, try to stop me from coming here. Many political parties, many people try to stop me from coming to Israel. I'm glad I came because I, the Israeli people I found here, there's none of the things I've been told there. And, to, and the thing that, only thing that hurt me on this trip was this comparison of comparing Israel to apartheid. And I'll tell you why it hurt me. Not even on the side of, the, of somebody towards the Israelis. But it is, it is an indictment on what we went through through apartheid. 
it is it is it, it hurts me it's diminishing our pain our parents pain our grandparents pain to compare israel to what we've gone through it's like you going through a bad time and you compare that to the holocaust it's insulting to the victims and i will not stand for that because i know what my people went through i know how the degradation the humiliation the murder the dreams of generations that has been stolen to be told that what i see here i use the same toilet uh, that that anybody else uses here which i couldn't do in apartheid i see people here respect me and not look at my color which was not the case during apartheid so people must stop comparing whatever is happening here to what happened in my country they are diminishing the pain the hurt the death the theft of dreams of a generation by calling Israel a apartheid state i know apartheid and i can tell you israel is not an apartheid state i don't care they can hate me for it they can hate me for it the only mistake israel in only thing israel need to work on is to tell their side of the story because i don't think israel is done and is doing enough to show people who they are the real israel it's like they accept uh you think this of us is okay but if 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 i call it the walk test there's nothing better than the walk and meet test i can you shine as such a person but once i walk with you and meet you it's only then that i can truly testify are you really that person and i did the walk and meet test so i will not be criticized people can criticize but i will not even worry about people that you know yesterday the abram accords we have muslims in our country that said i'm not a muslim i represent muslims part muslims and there's muslims that send me messages that they disappointed that i came to pal to israel and i asked them if you are you aware of the abram accords and they're not even aware of that are you aware that muslim countries like saudi arabia bahrain all these countries are talking to israel and they are having agreements with israel do you know that saudi arabia is changing the curriculum this anti zionist uh, literature they fed the children they are removing that from the curriculum it's a big step the saudi arabians are taking now i must be listening to a man that has not taken the time to understand the ibrahim accords i'm sorry too many leaders are leading like they are being done a great favor if you don't agree with my leadership style go to another party if you don't agree with my leadership style don't follow me because if you say i'm your leader you will trust the decisions i take on behalf of you how are you going to respond i i understand how you're going to respond to the individual when they uh ask when when they tell you I can't believe you're going to Israel. Why are you doing this? But how are you going to present this message unilaterally across South Africa when you come into office and you are going to change policy and minds that have been determined for decades and decades and decades? How are you are you prepared to face that? Well, I am 100% prepared to face that. As a leader, I'm prepared to face that 100%. And I'm going to first thing I'm going to do I'm going to restore the embassy 
and I'm going to send an ambassador of South Africa to Israel. This downgrading, I'm going to upgrade it and give it the highest order I can because there's so many things South Africa needs Israel for that I think Israel can help my country and not in a way of donor, I have no time for that, but in a way of exchange of ideas, in a way of taking some of your technology. So I am going to go and I'm a person that has the courage of my convictions. And I'm going to say to people, and I'm saying it now, that South Africa will be friends with Israel. What people need to understand, and I'm going to use the Russia-Ukraine thing. I've been to Ukraine a lot. I've got business partners in Ukraine. I have business partners in Russia. But being a friend, I'm not going to take sides in their fights. Because as a country, as an individual, you can have an opinion. But as a country, you have a duty to be able to preserve relations that benefits your people. That benefits your people. Israel benefits a lot from America, and America benefits a lot from Israel. Israel can't just go out and just criticize America all day, every day. They have to think about the... And that's how countries work, and we don't want to be honest about that. That's how countries work. Uh, it's like you're having a child. I can, you can call your child, you're so stupid. Your own child. Mm -hmm. Nobody dares say that about your child. That's not their mother. But as a mother, you can say your child, you're so stupid. But imagine your neighbor says to your child, you're so stupid. And at the same time, you know, and I simplify it. But it's just how countries also work. There's certain countries that before you go for them, you can't just go and say, my principle does not allow me to say nothing. You are representing the well-being of people. And representing the well-being of people, you need to think what comes out of my mouth. How will it benefit people? You as an individual can make a stand. But as a country, I'll make you an example with Japan and before I come to Israel, Japan and in America. Mm -hmm. America dropped two bombs on Japan. Mm -hmm. Two bombs, two atomic bombs on them. Today, America and Japan are the two biggest trading partners. Now, that's how, that's how geopolitics work. It's not like, oh no, I have to say something and stuff like that. So I'm saying it here. The relationship with Israel will firstly be beneficial to my country. And it puts me in a better situation to call the leaders of Palestine the Palestinian people, leader, and the leaders of Israel. Because I have shown to not take sides and say, guys, can you talk? But if you've been calling the one state an apartheid state, or let's say you insult Palestine the whole time, how are they going to be leaving your peacemaking efforts? So I'm putting South Africa in a, in a position where I will be best suited to be able to make peace because peace is where I want to end. That's the destination. And in order to get there, I need to pave the road was trust. Mm -hmm. You never make peace if the road is paved with distrust. Your destination of peace, you will never reach. And that's what I would like to do. That's how I would like to see it. And as far as Israel and concern, my friendship with Israel has no bearing on my friendship with the Palestinian people. I don't need to be an enemy of Israel to be friends with the Palestinian people. If the friendship comes at that price, then I don't want to be friends with them. If the friendship come at the cost for the Palestinians that have to hate Israel, oh no, then I don't want to be friends with them. Just as Israel is telling me, if Israel, Israelis tell me, I don't want you to be friends with the Palestinian people.
then I don't be friends with Israelis because it comes at a cost. Friendship does not work like that. Mandela was friends with Yasser Arafat. Mandela was friends with George Bush. And they hated each other at the time. And the worst thing that I think the Israeli people has done in the injustice to themselves was not to talk about the role of Jewish people in the struggle of South Africa. Jewish people never oppressed my people. Jewish people helped my people, and that's the truth. Now people, because they are undesigners, they don't, they're Holocaust deniers. How do you, how do I? Harold Volper was a Jewish man that was incarcerated for the fight against the apartheid regime. Mandela was in prison with Jewish people. Jewish people were 90% of the people that represented my people when they were needing of lawyers at great personal risk of life and limb. Jewish people, and, and I, I want to say it here, Jewish people, when there was no plane, no airline wanted to take Walter Sisulu out of South Africa. It was the Jewish airline that put him on that plane. Now, Jewish people have played a role in the freedom that I enjoy today. How can I now come and, and turn my back on Jewish people? When you look at Arthur Charles Coulson, go check Mandela's lawyers. You know, Percy Utah, the Jewish man that was a prosecutor, the prosecutor of Mandela, he could have asked for the death penalty. He didn't. As bad a person I think that he was, because I think he was a bad man. <laughs> he didn't ask for the death penalty. Jewish lawyers could have gone to jail. Some did, representing our leaders. Mm -hmm. Now, today, people that have been spectators, when my people were killed, when my people were maimed, when my people were denied, are telling me to turn my back on Jewish people. I will never do that. I love Jewish people. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Thank you for that. The, the state of Israel is, and I'm, I'm a first-hand witness to it as a journalist here, going through immense uh, transition tra and transformation, I would say, as the country is finding that without a constitution, there are a lot of issues that are coming up in the judicial system. Some people are excited about these changes. Some people think that these changes are anti-democratic. As you're here during this intense time, and how many days have you been here? Five days. You've been here five days, which means In this that eye of the storm. In the eye of the storm, the eye of the storm, because Monday is when we had the uh, first of the reform bills actually voted and passed, and you were here. Um, there were protests on Monday, there were protests on Tuesday, there will be protests again uh, tomorrow evening and Saturday night when you're going to be headed out. Uh, tell me, how are you experiencing this and do you have any thoughts on the matter? Well, I just think, firstly, it just shows me your democracy is working. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I have a video that I took of the police spraying people with water in the heat. And so <laughs> I was just laughing, like the police is actually doing them a favor <laughs> by cooling them off. <laughs> but on a more serious note, I think that's democracy. That's part of democracy. I saw a video where the pro and anti the pro was going up the lift, the anti was up the, up the escalators. 
and the anti-demonstrators was coming okay. down. And there was never fights between them. They were all carrying the same flag. And I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful that people can demonstrate in such a peaceful manner. No looting, no, no building burned like in France. You know, and those are things that you as Jewish people here should be very grateful for. That you can first, there's three points I want to make. First point, it's, democ it's democracy in action. That is democracy. We differ, but we don't burn stuff when we differ. We differ, but we don't kill each other when we differ. I come from a country where people kill each other when they differ. We've had 40 councillors being killed last year alone. Councillors? Councillors. Now, you can imagine a country where four zero councillors get killed a year. That's where I'm from. Here, you differ and you write your columns and you complain, you have your media interviews, and that's number one. Number two, you don't have a constitution, which I think is great. And, and you know, it, we are so, and I'll tell you why I think it's great, Sana. There's a lot of things you, you'd not have been able, reforms, that you'd not have been able to, to be put through because of a constitution. A lot in my country cannot happen because of a constitution. In our constitution does not recognize our God. Our constitution is turning our country into non-believers in South Africa. It doesn't prevent you, but it doesn't give meaning to what we believe in in our constitution. So personally, and a lot of people might disagree with me, I think it's a wonderful thing that you don't have a constitution and you will get your constitution when you have done all the big reforms. That's, that's, that's my personal opinion. Secondly, I look at what the leaders are trying to do. I tell you what they did wrong, and I tell you where I agree with them. I think they've not adequately consulted with the community mm. and explained why they're doing that. And they're wrong with that. Mm. Now listen to me correctly. I say they're wrong in not having adequately consulted, in not taking the community in their confidence and explain to them, this is why we're doing this. I think they were bulldozing this thing through too quick and too fast. Are they wrong with what they're doing? I don't think so. You get active with judges. You get judges that doesn't know where to stop. When things go wrong in this country, Benjamin Netanyahu get blamed, not the judges. So it's just right that he must have maximum say in the decisions that get taken in the country because he's the one writing the exam mm -hmm. and not the judges. And I do not think, I think it's an exaggeration of people where they say, there's no more democracy here. I think we come from a country where judges are politicians. South African judges are politicians, some of them. They take activist decisions. They take, and I think Israel's leadership, political leadership, has experienced that. It has become just too much for them. Where they take decisions as leaders and it gets over, overturned by the... You can't govern like that. You just can't govern like that. So I have sympathy for them. I have sympathy for them and I would follow the exact same path in my country next year. I will suspend the constitution. But you see, suspending the constitution doesn't mean that we are now entering Armageddon. You've done pretty well in Israel without the constitution. <laughs> you've, you've done, I think, I was saying to my uh, Jewish friends last night at dinner, I said, the problem is you people. You are part of the state of Israel. 
you are looking at what you've achieved as, yeah, yeah, you've done phenomenally well. This was a desert. This was a desert. Somebody was telling us a joke that the GPS of Moses wasn't taking them to the oil rich areas. <laughs> it was wrong. And I said, yeah, but he had foresight. Look at Israel today. You know, Shimon Perez met the most radical, the most honest revolutionary we've ever had called Winnie Mandela. She's a hero more than Nelson Mandela in our country. And he was the last state when he visited South Africa before he died. He met with her because she knew Israel was a friend of South Africa. And I think that the leadership here needs to have taken the people more in their confidence. I don't think they're wrong in what they are doing. I don't think, but I think people have the right to. It's all democracy. Now, when people start talking about, I saw your previous leader, Ehud Barak, I think, mm -hmm. saying, oh, this is the end of Israel. You mad. You can't say this is the end of Israel. Ehud Olmert, I think. Yeah, Ehud Olmert, yeah, sorry. That's the name. Mm -hmm. And he said, on national TV, because I watch the news. That's the end. This is war. This, there's no war happening here. <laughs> it's just exaggeration. Countries do that. Countries suspend the constitution at times. Countries change. Judges are not God. That's what we need to understand. So do you believe that the issue with the constitution is having something that is set and isn't being updated and changed as the needs of the people are updating and changing? Is that your... Uh, reason why you think that the Constitution isn't important? No. You are brilliant. What you just said is my answer. I think a Constitution should be a living document. You can't have a Constitution that does not change as the needs of the people are changing. But they want to act like the Constitution is sacrosanct. It must not be touched. The Constitution is being treated as a sacrosanct document. It's an important document. But it is not scripture. It is, it, is, it, is, it is something that needs to change as the needs of the people are changing. You look at the LGBTQI community. Many constitutions didn't allow or make provision for two men to be married. Now, the Constitution makes, needs to make provision for that because people have a right to love whoever they want to love. I believe that. People have a right to be as unhappy as some of them. <laughs> I always joke, I said, okay, people also have a right to be unhappy. <laughs> but I'm saying that we must not pick and choose. But the Constitution must not be treated like something that cannot be tempered with. In my country, they treat the Constitution as a single thing, document that cannot be tempered with. And that's why I have a problem. And I say Israel has come too far since the days of His Excellency Ben-Gurion to now, that you guys will have a, you will find each other. There's enough smart people here that you're going to find each other, even on this issue. But people mustn't talk rubbish like, it's the end of Israel, uh, come on. It's, it's maybe a start of a new beginning or a new thing, but let's see how it goes.
Excellent. I, I think that that's great. Thank you for bringing in our, our leaders all the way from Moses to Ben Gurion to Prime <laughs> Minister uh, Bibi Netanyahu. And um, we, we wish you luck uh, in, your, in your candidacy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, wasn't that just a stellar interview? I personally had a great time. I thought that it was lively. I thought that I heard a lot of new ideas. I heard a lot of things that you wouldn't hear from African leaders saying out loud. The tide really is turning. And I, th I think that we're going to see some things shift in African and Arab relations with Israel in the future. In the meantime, I'm here to watch and report for the Israel Daily News. If you are a listener of the Israel Daily News podcast, if you have been thinking about supporting the Israel Daily News podcast, you can do it in a new way. You can buy a surprise gift box for yourself or anyone you know using Hasod. And that way, you'll be able to send a contribution straight to the Israel Daily News podcast. And you'll also get some local handmade treats from Israel in the meantime. I love working with Hasod because, first of all, I get to taste all of the things. I get to hold the products in my hands and touch them and decide what I like and what I don't like for the listeners. And I really enjoy doing that. But also, this is a taste of modern Israel. This is really important. This is why I like working with this brand. It's not the old school Judaica items from the stores. It's not those Judaica stores that you might see in New York or in Israel where you have to dust off the, the silvers and the bronzes to bring little pieces back. This is a situation of local artists who are making amazing bowls, chocolates, candies, wines, bracelets, bags, pouches, soaps, you name it. I am in love. If you want to get a summer box or get this, I created a welcome to Israel box for those of you who are coming to Israel. I got a lot of messages from people telling me that they're coming to Israel this summer. And I decided to make a box that Hasod is going to drop off for you at your hotel or at your Airbnb so that when you come to the Holy Land, there's a surprise box waiting for you from the Israel Daily News podcast and Hasod. It's amazing. I have a link for this in the show notes for hasodstore.com. If you put in the coupon code SHANA10 in all capital letters, you'll get a 10% discount for the boxes that you purchase. And of course, whatever purchases you make at hasodstore.com that come via the Israel Daily News podcast, we get that support. It's an amazing collaboration. So you can support us no matter what. You get 10% off with your discount code SHANA10. That's S-H-A-N-N-A-10. You have to do it in all capital letters. And don't forget that my name has two N's in it. Okay? So that's hasodstore.com. Just click on the special link in the show notes. We literally have a section under shop at the Hasod Store website where you can scroll down and you'll see at the bottom Israel Daily News favorites. I put this together. We have the Welcome to Israel gift box, an Israeli summer gift box, which is going to set you up for the summer with all the Israeli treats that you need. We have the summer fun box, which I really like. And we have the summer in Tel Aviv premium box, which has really beautiful things inside of it. We also have the staycation 
in Israel box, which is meant for people that are in Israel, that are listening to the show from Israel, are not leaving Israel and want to get a box because they want to have a staycation and have fun. And then at the bottom, we also have support Israel daily news and get a surprise box from Hasod. So basically, you you get that box and the funds go to us and you'll get a surprise in the mail. It It's awesome. I want to thank all of you for your interest in Israeli affairs, Israeli politics, our world politics. I also want to thank all of you who personally finance and fund the Israel Daily News podcast with monthly contributions. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Two, you can share the show with a friend. And three, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at IsraelDaily.News, as well as Shanafold. My name has two N's in it, and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. And now I'm going to give you a little bit of the tough words that came out against Gaten McKenzie. I looked it up and it was not hard to find right up there at the top next to his name was a press release from the South African BDS coalition. Um, I'm not going to read you all of what they wrote. Some of what they wrote I know to be factually inaccurate. In fact, they talked about how the water technology that Israel offers is harming the Palestinians. That's totally nonsense because I've I've met these businesses and I've worked with these machines that actually can make water basically out of air. It's amazing. It's completely Israeli technology. It has nothing to do with Palestinians. We're talking about Israeli technology that was produced in Israel is not taking water from Palestinians, which was one of the allegations in the press release. I'm not even going to read it. Um, I'm just going to read you a few paragraphs of, of what was written in response negatively to this visit. The South African BDS coalition utterly condemns the visit to Israel of Gaten McKenzie and Kenny Kunin, leaders of the Patriotic Alliance, or PA. They are acting in defiance of the global call from Palestinians to boycott apartheid Israel in solidarity with their struggle for justice, human rights, and self-determination. Convicted bank robber McKenzie resigned as mayor of the Central Karoo District after questions were raised about millions of rand that were meant for the eradication of bucket toilets in the area. Kunin, his robber sidekick and convicted fraudster, is a notorious misogynist, hosting parties in 2011 where guests ate sushi off the bodies of half-naked women. These are Israel's new South African friends. This sends a disturbing message to the South African electorate. The PA has revealed itself yet again as a party of racism, xenophobia, brutality, and exclusion. These reactionary ideologues undermine the struggle for a just and equitable society in South Africa, Palestine, and globally, contradicting the values of freedom and justice for which many in this country have given their lives. Okay, now I was particularly disturbed in that letter about the bucket toilets, which as you heard was a really big part of uh, President McKenzie's discussion and pride, I reached out to him and I asked him about allegations against him that he had mismanaged funds in his bucket toilet project. He got back to me and I wanted to read you this response. 
Hello, Shanna. I decided to become a mayor for a period of a year. I said in my opening speech that I would resign if I didn't fix the bucket toilet issues within 100 days. The residents of Central Karu has been using bucket toilets for 80 years. No political party or leader managed to rectify this gross injustice. I did it in 100 days, holding a fundraiser. We never used the municipality funds. The municipality was bankrupt. The allegation against me by the opposition party is that I didn't put the money in municipality bank accounts. How could I? Question mark. All toilets were constructed. The residents are happy. No funder ever complained or wanted money back. I never took a salary. The council is happy. The residents are happy. Only my biggest opposition is unhappy. I got a hero's send-off when my year ended. People came out in a stadium to come and wish me well. The party which I led won both by-elections, which we partook in, in the very same week this false allegation surfaced. This is a testimony that South Africans know this allegation is rubbish. Hope this assists. And now for a note from Rabbi Yossi Madvig of Oswego, New York. He'll tell us a little bit about this week's Torah portion and how we can take it with us as we enter the weekend. This week's Torah portion is called Ekev. And while Ekev in this context means because, it's related to the word Akev, which means heel, like the heel on your foot. And the sages comment that it's talking about the mitzvot, the commandments that a person crushes with their heel. They walk all over. They don't pay attention. It's not as important to them. And of course, they're not discussing a person who does this because they don't feel that the mitzvot are important, that just because they're uh, lesser mitzvot, they're not as stringent, that therefore they could be ignored. It's just that they feel that there's a certain order. You have to do the really important things first. Make sure you're doing the, the big stuff. And then eventually you can get around to doing the smaller things. And this is a huge mistake. Because a mitzvah, a commandment, is a connection to God. It reminds me of a story that was told to me once when I was having a similar dilemma. I wasn't always a rabbi. And... When I was younger and becoming more observant, I had this question as to whether I should put on a kippah and tzitzit. You know, the yarmulke, the, the hat that we wear, and, and the tzitzit, the four-cornered garment with the fringes. I wasn't sure if I should do it. Why? Because I'm not exactly keeping kosher so well. I wasn't exactly keeping Shabbos, Shabbat so well. I wasn't always praying three times a day like I should. I wasn't always putting on to fill in the black boxes with the straps that we wear. I wasn't doing all the really big stuff. So who am I? How, how can I go and, and, and put these on? These are very outward expressions. People will see me. They'll think that I'm such a, a big holy Jew over here. And so someone told me a story. And the story was there's these students and they ask their rabbi a question. They say, Rabbi, let's say you have two guys and they're on a ladder. And the ladder has 613 rungs of the ladder, representing the 613 commandments. And you have one guy who's way at the top. He's on like rung number 602. And you have another guy who's on rung number eight. 
which one is more precious in God's eyes? And the rabbi says, but you didn't tell me which direction the people are going. So you see, it's not about how much you're doing and doing all the big things and the important things. It's about which direction are you going? Are, are you even, even the little things. Every mitzvah is a connection to the Creator. And so every opportunity that you have to grow and do a good deed, do an act of kindness, an act of charity, to connect to God in even a seemingly small way is making an infinite connection. Shabbat Shalom. All right. Well, that is it for today's show. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Tel Aviv has a low of 25 degrees Celsius and a high of 35 degrees. That's 77 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 88 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. You can sign up for that at israeldaily.news. A big thank you goes out to our social media director, Michelle Milner. I'll send you off today with a song called Sivan by Tal Flora. Enjoy this song and have a great and productive day and an excellent weekend. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom.